Giovanni and Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. All right, hope you like the new change. We're gonna start mixing up some different music so you guys don't get bored with the elevator stuff. All right, Jeff Barnes, CEO of Angel Investor Network is on the show with me today. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael, nice to be here. All right, I'm glad you're here. All right, and thank you for your service. You're a uh, U.S. Navy submariner. I wanna get some, at least some kudos out to you because it's not everybody that has uh, the guts to do that job. And I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Allow you time to to tell the audience something about yourself, and then what's going on with Angel Investor Network. I have I have a lot of questions for you, but let me at least sure. give you some some room to move there. Yeah. So I'd say um, just my brief background is like you said, I was a former U.S. Navy submariner. Did a couple tours. Um, joined actually before 9-11 so joined in 2000 got to go do the tours after that whole chaos went down that was a lot of fun a lot of learning a lot of experience you gained from that um transfer that over to the corporate america world and uh eventually ended up in the role that i am now as the ceo of angel investors network and i don't think your audience needs to know the entire history there but essentially what it came down to was trying to apply that that military discipline and thought process of what we had in the military in the navy to building and scaling organizations. And so that's kind of led to where I am now and helping entrepreneurs find the capital they need, need to scale their businesses up and making investors happy along the way. Right, now there's a couple of questions I want to tee up for you and maybe you can sure. help us with the, the answers here. Um, I know from my own experience that um, I've gone from uh, transitioning from a doer uh, of all things to the manager and leader uh, of, of the company. I wanted you to be able to expand on that so that you can tell the audience how to make that transition so that you're able to grow the company effectively. And as you know, morale is one of the things that, that people look up to leaders for. So bring that out for me. Sure. That Well, that, that could take a, a while, but we'll, we'll dive into it. I'll try and keep it high level as much as possible. Thanks. So I would say that, that is, that's a huge challenge for anybody who starts off as a solo entrepreneur, solopreneur, um, or the technician, you know, the Michael Gerber e-myth uh, revisit, if you will. I'm the technician. I know how to do everything. I know how my business runs. And now all of a sudden I need to, in order to scale up, I need to bring in other people. Okay. So there's always a catch 22, right? You, you want to bring in those other people. You really want to be able to scale your business and help more people doing whatever it is you do, whether that's selling products or services or helping people in, in whatever capacity you can do. But then you have to rely on these other individuals to support you in that role. And in doing so, you have to have, of course, the capital to be able to afford them and to hire them and to, to make good hiring decisions from the get-go. Otherwise, you end up with a, a bunch of B or C or D or even F players on your team which is the fastest way to tank any business, right? You put the wrong people on the bus. So I would say that the first and most important thing to understand is what are you great at in your business? What is it that you do so well that you can't hand that off to anybody else, right? And we'll use my wife as an example. My wife's a chiropractor and it's great to hire other people in the office, receptionists and rehab and physical therapy and massage and all that, but none of them can be the chiropractor. And we have to look at everything through that lens as the business owner. What is it that you want your staff to be able to do to support you in that role of whatever you do well that they can't do? And so I like to tell people, I walked them through this exercise of making that list, making the list of everything you do all day, every day, all the little things that are coming up. And what is it that only you should be doing and can be doing 
And then what is everything else? And how do you do you either kill it? Do you delegate it? Do you hand it off to somebody else? Do you outsource it? What does that look like? And then in a cost efficient manner, um, find the right people that can help you to grow the organization. That's the first and biggest step, I would say, in making that transition. That's that's really good insight. I, I really appreciate you bringing that out. Now, um, there's another part of our business that not everybody is cut out for, but everybody should participate in, and that's sales. Talk to me about how you get the entire organization to pull in one direction and to all pull in the direction of sales. There's, I've been through many examples where I've asked several people to, to participate in sales in the business, and just some of them just like, nah. It's not me. How do you get everybody on the same page with that? Yeah, that, that's a, a great question. And it's it's vital to the long-term success of any business. And any even the Fortune 500 companies, they understand this, the ones that succeed and last long-term. You think about Disney. Disney's a perfect example, right? We think about Disney and just think about a theme park. Never mind the movies and the retail and everything else they do, the cruises, all of that. Just think about the theme parks. When you go and you buy a ticket at Disney, Yes, you're buying a ticket and a lot of people would say, nope, that's the end of the sales process. We're done. Now they get to go have fun, right? But what Disney has done is they've created a culture around the Disney experience. You walk in, everything is laid out the right way. So that means the janitor, the person who is sweeping the streets and keeping everything clean, they're involved in sales on a level that they may not understand because you may look at it and say, oh, wow, this looks like junk. I don't know if I really want to bring my kids around here anymore, so I'm not going to come back. Or they can say, wow, this is the cleanest, nicest place I've ever been to. We definitely want to come back so the janitor can influence sales. Okay. The other people that will influence that are your, your maintenance folks, right? The people that are behind the scenes, the people that are keeping everything running, because if you have a poor customer experience, then that's going to impact sales. Okay. Now, when you're talking about it, maybe from the, the external point of let's actually help our, our customers buy more things from us, right? So we can either get new customers, we can have our customers buy more on every purchase, or we can have our customers come back more often. And those are the three lenses you have to look through when it comes to sales. Those are the only three ways that you really need to look at it. If you want to get more customers, that's your marketing folks. And that's getting out there to the world that you've never, that's never experienced your product or your service before. And that's your external sales team. Those are the people that are going out there and constantly beating feet and, you know, maybe doing your online marketing or your direct mail or whatever kind of marketing you need to do to bring new people into the fold. Once they get in there, once they're part of your organization, now you have to try and increase that average order value, increase the, the amount of the transaction value. And you do that by having an incredible customer experience, right? It doesn't matter if you're selling a widget and you're only selling one tiny little widget, if that's a, a bad sales experience or if it's bad quality, they're not going to want to buy again or they just, they'll refund their order. And then the third thing, of course, is getting them to come back. And you do that again with a great customer experience. So the moment they walk in the door, the moment they, they greet the first person, what does that process look like? Their entire path through your business. Again, it doesn't matter if it's a retail store, if it's a healthcare facility, if it's a Disneyland, if it's an amusement park, what does that experience look like? And then what does each person play along that path that the customer takes, the customer journey, if you will? And what does that look like? And how can every individual influence that next buying decision from your potential customers or your existing customers. That's the way I would look at it. Got it. Um, and well said too, by the way. All right, um, you have to quickly evaluate businesses when you're looking at them and be able to, to see if they're going to be short-term flash in the pan or long-term successes. 
expound on that for us and what the thought process that you go through to, to make those kind of decisions. Right. So we're in the pro we're in the, the business of helping businesses grow. And that means that we really need to understand which businesses are going to do well in the marketplace, which ones are, you know, maybe like you said, a flash in the pan. It, it's a something that might be hot right now, or it may be something that's hidden, right? You have a great salesperson, a great marketing strategy around it. it sounds like an incredible opportunity. And then lo and behold, everything falls apart on the back end because it's not really a great business or it wasn't a business to begin with. And so we go through this evaluation process where first we have to ask customer or we have to ask our, our potential customers what the different 18 key drivers of their business, where they fit, um, what are the market drivers, what are the business drivers, the internal things that are doing well or not doing at all. Um, and we kind of go through this evaluation process and identify within about 15 to 20 minutes whether or not they're a good candidate because we need to understand a few things, right? We're, we're talking about small private companies that are looking to scale up you know, maybe have an exit, a, a merger, an acquisition, IPO, something along those lines, which means we need to look at the long-term horizon. And we need to understand, do they know their market? Do they know their customers? Do they know the, the uh, opponents, if you will, out there, the competition? Do they understand their market at a visceral level? They, they eat it, they breathe it, they live it. And if, they, if we feel confident in that, then the next thing we do is we start to assess them as individuals, start to assess the team. Are they competent? Do they know what they're doing? When you try and tell them something, you try and give them feedback, do they say, oh, I knew that, but looking at it, you're like, oh no, you really didn't, right? Or are they asking questions? Are they trying to learn more? Are they trying to get better and grow as individuals? Are they asking you, you know, as maybe the potential expert or potential investor for advice? Or are they saying they know it all and you know they're just gonna go with whatever their gut tells them? Now, in some cases that works out, but it's a very rare exception where you find somebody that understands their market, understands business, understands sales, understands operations, understands all of these things so well that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, right? Everybody has to have that, that mentor or that coach, that guide that they can look up to and they can ask questions of. And if you find that person not asking any questions, they say they have all the answers, that's a pretty clear indication that's not a company we want to work with, right? So those are some of the, the initial fundamental questions we go through. Got it. All right. We're, we're about out of time, but I wanted to get one last question in before we go. And that is the, the potential advice that you can give entrepreneurs out there who are looking to either be acquired, raise more capital, uh, go public, things of that nature. If they're moving in that direction, what are some, some brief words of wisdom that you can give them and then they can follow up and have a conversation with you after the show? Yeah, I'd say the most important thing is that you really have to understand the problem that you solve in the world. If you don't understand that and can't clearly and easily and succinctly explain that to your customers, your potential partners, your investors, anybody like that, then it's going to be really hard for anybody else to want to be involved. If you cannot explain the problem that you're solving, then it may not even be a problem to begin with. Okay, or maybe you're attacking it from the wrong angle. So I'd say the first thing is really figure out what that problem is and then don't focus on the product, right? We, we get a lot of entrepreneurs who are in love with their product. Don't focus on the product, focus on the solution that it provides, right? Look at the problem, figure out what the solution would look like and then build the product in the middle. But don't always, don't ever start with the product. If you just start with a product, then you may not even be addressing a, a, a big enough market to make a difference. So I'd say figure out what the problem is, figure out what the solution looks like and then go from there. Brilliant, brilliant. Jeff, thanks for being a guest on today's show. Michael, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me here. 
Me too. All right, you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Don't forget, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.